Are you ready, Christine? Uh, yeah, I'm ready as I'll ever be. Are you ready, Ma? I was going to try to do a British accent, but yeah, I'm ready. Let's go, or cheerio! Cheerio! We're going to Cambridge, England. That wasn't that wasn't <laughs> no. at all close. I have no idea what that was. We are doing uh, the 1981 film, uh, I mean, much acclaimed film, Chariots okay. of Fire. This is a good example of when they talk about Academy Award winning films and nobody's ever seen them because they're all so boring. <laughs> this is it. I remember I'm just going to go ahead and say I'm sorry to everyone. Don't watch it. If you haven't watched it, don't watch it. I don't think you need to. I, I remember so thinking boring. that when I first saw it in in 82, that's when I saw it. And uh, I just thought, this is so boring. All you see are people running. But then this time, after Adam being in track for years, at least I had that to fall fall back on, you know, like the the uh, anticipation and the and you know and the come on, come on, come on. But um, and yeah, that's what I wanted. All I wanted was. My, I thought the whole movie was going to be montages of people running to that song yeah, and competitions and all we got were old white men talking. Yes. And being, um, and being quite racist. Oh, I mean, I, I couldn't even tell you cause I barely paid attention last night. I watched the first half and I don't know what happened in the first half at all. And then this morning, I'm just going to come clean. Okay. This morning, I watched the second half. I, I waited all week. I had a couple of opportunities to watch it. And I was like, ooh, this is going to, I think it's going to be a good one. I'll, wa I'll wait for Adam. He <laughs> fell asleep in about 20, 20 seconds, 20 seconds. And he maybe. was the track guy. So, oh, yeah. yeah. And, and he sent me a text and he was just like, yo, this movie. He, what do you say? This movie sucks. <laughs> I, I knew that's what he I knew and that granted, we had been to happy chin. hour before. So, and I went back this morning and watched the second half. And I was just like, God, I don't even know what, I don't know what's happening. I well, didn't I like got it. you on that's that. My, that's my synopsis. I hated it. <laughs> don't watch it. And that, that happens to, oh, sometimes we pick movies that are just, you know. Yeah. This is like for I'm me. I'm sorry to the Olympics. This is a, this oh, a about and this is an example of I I'm so glad that you picked it because I've always wanted to see this film I've never seen it I've heard about it it's, it's music is everywhere the montage and then I I watch it and you, like you I had to watch the first part uh, because the old eyes kept <laughs> closing. <laughs> And oh, I, those old I, men are talking again. I had to finish the second half, and I finished it, and I went, huh, that's Chariots of Fire. And don't yeah. you feel that the theme song, which to me, I'm gonna, I, I'm putting it out there right now, was my MVP, what, was underused? I had to wait until the very end of that movie to hear the song in its entirety. I kept thinking, the credits. I know. Yeah. I felt like it was underused. Okay, well, right. I am going to, uh, what is this called? I am going to intro.
You're setting the table? No, I'm introing. Oh, oh, oh. oh. This oh. film looks at the competitive spirit of two runners competing for Olympic glory in 1924. Particulars. All right. So before I start the particulars, I need to have a disclaimer. Um, remember, I am drinking a hot toddy made of gin and Earl Grey, Earl Grey tea. As I say, everything that I'm about to say next. Just keep in okay, mind. And may I say that the gin was made in Scotland. Scottish gin, but Earl Grey tea. So it's a very Anglo drink that I am sipping it on. Is. She's looking kind of peaked today, kind of kind of white today. As, okay, colonizers of fire. I'm sorry. <laughs> I meant <laughs> chariots of fire. <laughs> Black history always, guys. Ha-ha, <laughs> thought you are getting out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but don't worry, well, you know not what? on my watch. to talk about how terrible this movie was. Oh, I got three pages on it. Let's go. Oh, God. Okay, so... This is your fault, Christine. I know, okay? I don't... I regret... I almost called out, okay? I almost just said, don't even let me do it. We're not doing it today. We're not doing it this week. This is perfect. Teachable moments. And it... Listeners, this is what happens when you don't pick a black film during Black History Month. <laughs> no, no, not necessarily. We were just given the gift of this film about okay. colon the colonizers. So it premiered March 30th, 1981 at the Royal Command Film Performance. That's like a big hoity-toity deal where the monarchy shows up and everything. And it's wide release to the UK was on May 15th, 1981. The particulars, produced by David Putnam. He also produced The Killing Fields, Midnight Express, and Memphis Bell, to name a few. Oh, those are some good films. Directed by Hugh Hudson, who also did Greystroke, Colin, The Legend of Tarzan, Lord of the Apes, and My Life So Far, and I Dreamed of Africa. That reminds me of when we were playing um, um, Trivial Pursuit with Adam, and and they said, what color was Moby Dick? And he said, white. And everybody went, how did he know that? And he said, sounded like a white guy's name. So, yeah, <laughs> Hugh sounds like a white guy's name. <laughs> the, it was written by Colin Wellen, who was an actor and screenwriter, he wrote like a white guy's name. Okay. Spoiler alert. <laughs> there's, uh, there's all white guys' names. I'm, I'm 100% white. 100% white guys. Maybe 99. Old white guys. There, there was a brief glimpse of a one black man in this. Just yes. To, so, yes, this is I all white I got so white excited to put my tally mark down. Yes. I, mean, where, I was fumbling. Where's my pencil? <laughs> Um, he also wrote A Dry White Season. No. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he wrote A Dry White Season. He wrote A Dry White Season. And he also wrote... There's a lot of jokes about cooking and that for white people. We're all... Oh, God. 
Sure, yes. This could turn into our best podcast. Congratulations. <laughs> I picked yes, this movie that's what during I'm Black History Month where we could just bash white people the whole time. So it's a gift. White men specifically. This is what I'm saying. We're like 95% men. Oh, yes. Oh, this was, this was, this is, this is about the man. We get to literally bash the man for there the you next go. four hours. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> I thank you. She's, she's turning it around. She's making lemonade with that lemon. Mm-hmm. He also wrote War of the Buttons. <laughs> Thrilling. As an actor, he was also in Kess and Straw Dogs. The music is by, is it Vangelis? Could be. Van, Vangelis? Van oh. Ge- he was a, he's a Greek musical composer. He also did the music oh. for Blade Runner, Alexander, and 1492 Conquest. Wait, the music, Paradise. I care about this because yes, that was just the that. best part of the film. Yeah, I'm the sorry. one part we liked. Mm-hmm. The director of photography is David Watkin, who also did Moonstruck. Okay. Help and Out of Africa and Yentl, to name a few. This guy did a ton of stuff. I thought the cinematography was good. Editor Terry Rollins, who also did Alien, Blade Runner, and Not Without My Daughter. Oh, I remember Not Without My Daughter. I just remember the title, Not Without My Daughter. <laughs> I'm sure, sure it was a book that Ma would have brought to the beach with her. Starring Ben Cross as Harold Abraham. Abraham. A, a, Abram. It was Abraham's, but, but some people called it Abrams. Mm-hmm. He's a Jewish student at Cambridge University. He was also in A Bridge Too Far and First Night. Ian Charlson as Eric Little. Uh, Eric Little is the son of a Scottish missionary to China. Uh, Ian Charleston, the actor, was also in Gandhi, Greystroke, The Legend of Tarzan, King of the Apes. And nerd alert, he died in 1990 of AIDS. And he, yeah, he wanted it, he kept it private until he died, and then he wanted it disclosed. And he became the first celebrity death in the UK to openly attribute it to AIDS because he wanted more publicity about it. Well done, then. Mm-hmm. I think that's sad because I thought he was actually a really good actor. I, I thought so too. Um, and apparently he was fantastic on the stage. Just oh, yeah, as a stage actor, mm-hmm. <laughs> supposed to <laughs> fantastic on stage. Just got to get that man on stage, and it's fantastic. Nigel Havers as Lord Andrew Lindsay. He was also in A Passage to India, Empire of the Sun. Nicholas. Burrell as Aubrey Montague. He was also in The Iron Lady and Driving Lessons. Ian Holm as Sam Musabini. Mm. I didn't know that Ian Holm it passed away. Like in 2020, sometime, you know, in these times. But I wouldn't have known by the name, but by the face, yes. He was Abram's running coach. Ian Holm was also known for the madness of King George, the fifth element, and probably most widely known as Bilbo Baggins in the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit film series. Yes, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. John Gielgud as Master of Trinity College at Cambridge University. John Gielgud oh. is one of like the all-time 
great OGs as on stage acting. We're up there with Olivier. Yeah. Um, he was also in Julius Caesar, Murder on the Orient Express, and Arthur. He he played a dick, but <laughs> oh, Sir well. John Gielgud's a dick. <laughs> News alert. This whole movie is about dicks. <laughs> Literally. Literally and figuratively. Um, Strawn Roger as Sandy McGrath. He was Little's friend and running coach. He was also in Four Weddings and a Funeral and the Madness of King George. Patrick McGee as Lord Cadigan. Cadigan. He was in A Clockwork Orange and Barry Lyndon. Dennis Christopher as Charlie Paddock. He was the American runner. He was most famous for the film Breaking Away and Django Unchained. And then Brad Davis, who was... I'm a big fan of Brad Davis. Um, he played Jackson Schultz, the one of the other American Olympic runners. He's most famous for Midnight Express and also yes, Corel. And he was one of of uh, when I remember I saw Midnight Express in college and I just got such a crush on Brad Davis. I'm like, yeah. what happened? And he died also from I believe tragically from AIDS, he was in. He had a lot of problems with drugs and was like an oh. intravenous drug user and oh, stuff. So, wow. yeah, he just because he was just great. Just one of the he would would yeah. have been an yeah. Um, and that those are the particulars. Um, in the very beginning, we saw Harry Potter's uncle. We oh, I thought you said I thought you were gonna say Castle because. That, that church reminded me of Harry Potter. Yeah, didn't castle. it? When they were having dinner, the freshman dinner, didn't it look like? Because uh, we had just yeah. seen Harry Potter's uncle, and then we went to that dinner, and it looked just like a dinner at uh, Hogwarts, Hogwarts, except that the candles were actually grounded; they weren't floating in the air. <clears throat> and they were being really sad about all the men who had died in the war. Yes, there <laughs> were. Wah, wah. There, well, there were several, there were a lot of men who died in the war. Okay, I'm going to set the table. The film begins, okay, so I have to look at this. The film begins with, <laughs> come on, the, the most famous scene. A white man. It does. The film begins at a funeral. Oh, that's right. And two very old white men. Then we cut to a team of young men running along a beach on a cloudy day with the iconic theme song playing through the credits. Which is great, but I also got a little nervous seeing all those white men running together <laughs> in all white. <laughs> like, what? What if I was on that beach and I saw that? I, I don't know. I think I would pick up my belongings and. <laughs> They all have Union Jacks on their shirts. <clears throat> we cut to a train station where we meet two young men meeting for the first time. They are part of the freshman class of Cambridge in 1919. One is Harold Abraham, Abrahams, and one is Aubrey Montgomery, sometimes called Monty. Got confused. Sometimes he's Aubrey. Sometimes he's Monty. I got so confused by all the characters in this film. Because <laughs> yeah. they all looked alike to you. They both have a passion for running and become best friends. We also meet Eric 
little. That was it was pronounced little. Yeah, right? spelled yeah. wrong, but from Scotland, <laughs> who is run, who is a running threat to Harold. All are bound for the 1924 Olympics in Paris. What could go wrong? Well, two more hours could go yeah. wrong. Could, yeah. As Aaron said, we had one fleeting moment of a black athlete for the U.S. team. But we do have a lot of cast going on. Ooh, yeah. How many how many pages of notes do you have for cast, Aaron? Just one, I have but two I, words. I, I, I wrote down two words. Oh, go ahead. Religion, gender. Oh, that's that's good. I have more than two words. I know you do. <laughs> you? Yeah. Uh, Christine, do. do you have any words before she no, starts? No, I do not. No, Aaron. <laughs> I'm sorry. All right. So. Right off the bat, you got Cambridge. That's the top of the top of the cast right there. Like these guys that are in the Cambridge, that are the masters of it, John Gilgood and what? John Gilgood, he is the man. Literally, that is the, when we talk about the man, he's the man. Mm -hmm. This is what we're talking about in this upper echelon of Cambridge. This is, this is, uh, wow. Yeah. The anti-Semitism. Mm-hmm. Woo! I mean, I got a lot of quotes just right here because they're all anti-Semitic. The beginning when you have the porter and he checks him in and he's like, oh, based on his name, and he tells his friend after they leave, he's not going to be in the chapel choir. I know, but, uh, but I thought that was kind of a funny comment. That's something I would have said. <laughs> he, Well, he had just been dressed down because he was being disrespectful to him and Harold put him in his place because I think Harold was probably in the war or something and had a higher rank I don't know maybe I just made that up and then one of the the one of the men it might have been John Gilgood I don't know he was the guy that was in there at the top of Cambridge so I'm just gonna call him the man mm-hmm. he makes the comment there goes your Semite Phil and I don't even think yes. his name was Phil but I <clears throat> I just you get the the drip, and then he says they were about- literally in like a an ivy coated tower, stone tower, looking down, yeah. literally looking yeah, down, an, an ivory tower, basically looking down. On, yeah, exactly. Mine. He's like, oh, it's a, they, he has a different god, and and then at one point somebody says, perhaps they really are God's chosen people. And then we got the Prince of Wales coming in later in the film, and he goes to Harold and shakes his hand and is like, do your best. That's all we can expect. And I was just like, man, this shit. Well, I have a lot more about him later. Oh, I do too. Harold, okay, this isn't the anti-Semitism again, because Harold's allowed to be at Cambridge, and he's allowed to run, but they just make it really difficult for him. And he always wants to be, he's the son of an immigrant. His parents did well enough that he's able to go to this elite school in Cambridge. But he, will he ever be considered a true son of England because of his Jewishness? We don't know. But in the next coming years, it could get a little better for him, but probably not because anti-Semitism just doesn't go away. Sorry, Harold. That sucks. Ever. Know what that's no. like. Um, 
they he has this quote harold does they lead me to water but they won't let me drink <sighs> yeah that's what they do he has his coach is half italian and half arab who is played by ian holm which i love ian holm but ian holm is a, uh, is a british actor there i did not get the vibe at all of italian and arab and also in this sense italian is you know, deemed unworthy. It was very, very, very low on the rung. Yeah. Not the bottom rung, though. We know that. Um, and then it sounds like the half, I, the, the half Italian, half Arab coaching a Jew just sounds like a joke that those guys would tell up in their ivory tower. That yeah. would make us all very uncomfortable as they're drinking a sherry or a scotch or yes. whatever they drink. They're all great tea and gin. They told those boys, um, oh, and then they tell the boys that are, you know, they're going over to Paris. They're telling them how they're going to compete against the world's best. I looked up a visual map of the countries that participated in the 1924 Olympics in Paris. Let me paint a picture for you. Visualize the world map. Then you got all of the countries in North America. You got in South America, Brazil, Argentina, Chile, and South in South America. So you don't have Central America and you don't uh -huh. have that crescent. Uh -huh. Then you got all of Europe. You have Turkey, India, Japan and Korea, Australian and New Zealand for Asia. And then for Africa, you have Egypt. And South Africa. Uh -huh. <clears throat> and that's, who and that's who competed? Yeah, that, that's, uh -huh. that's who they're saying. Like, you're competing that's against the That's the reason why best. guys could win. I know. I have a list of the 10 countries who won gold medals. It's United States, or any medals. Mm -hmm. United States, Finland, France, Great Britain, Italy, Switzerland, Norway, Sweden, Netherlands, and Belgium. Yeah. Sounds so, about white. <laughs> sounds about white. Yeah. And the and he said he but, but then when you listen, I had to rewind and listen to him say it again because I was like, I know this motherfucker isn't up here telling him that they're about to play like compete against the world's best when it's only basically the white people. It's all the places that yeah. England is colonized and Europe is colonized. Oh, wow. But then he puts in the end. Oh, the uh, civilized countries. Oh, of course. Oh. And those are all the countries that they colonized and, mm -hmm. and whatnot. Mm. Oh, man. The creative backbends and creativity that the upper caste goes to ensure that, that the lower class castes know their place. They, oh, it's my God, just, yes. Because this Harold guy, so he's Jewish, they always remind him how he's Jewish, even so he has to work twice as hard. He has to be like twice as fast, twice as good as everybody to show off his, you know, how English he is and to be accepted. He's going to run that he wins this like race. Then they're like, oh, he's fast. So then they're like interested in him because he's going to represent Cambridge. But then he gets a coach and then they chastise him and basically say like, oh, well, wait a second. You have a coach now? Like. Cambridge gentlemen are amateurs and we pride ourselves on being amateurs. Like you need to win to represent Cambridge, but you need to win the right way. And 
not training with the coach. That makes you a plebeian and a commoner and stuff. It's just like, damn these motherfuckers. Just try, just always throwing shade. And then that, you know, that gets involved in, I have more on that, on amateurism. And then also Little, he's Scottish and he's a devout Christian. So he's all, that also makes him an outsider. Although I don't know how it worked because somehow, somehow Harold's God is a different God than theirs, but Little's God is the same God, but Little's God won't allow him to run on Sundays. But their God, I don't know. I got real confused with that. And But it's in cast because since he's Scottish, that's a thing. Even right. though, you know, I'm looking at him like he's a white man, but and he's a and he his whole thing is that he's a missionary over in China. Exactly, so, another colonizer. Yes, yeah, so he is yes. literally like a colon like because he was born in China, came back over here to race, and is going back over in China to civilize the Chinese. Right, right. Oh, God, boy, they. But so in the cast, he's lower than. He's he's higher than Harold. Oh my God! Yes, you know he's higher than the Jewish man. Yes, but he's not as high. But he's high. problematic. Mm-hmm. He's a little Scottish because he has some scruples. And the Prince of Wales says, "Oh my God, it is king over God over everything." And then just a few years later, he goes, "Fuck the king! I'm gonna marry this divorcee, and I'm giving up." I'm giving up the kingdom. And it, it's wild. They, it, it's like, these are your, these are the people that you choose to tell you how you have to live. And yet, dodge the bullet on that one. <laughs> the yeah. That Truth really to be told. Yeah. So. That's yeah. true. So, so that's my cast. Okay. Well, mine also is no women. You don't see women are not admitted to Cambridge. Oh, there were women in the Olympics. We were able to see glimpses of women in, uh, like, walking oh, into really? the stadium for the, um, you know, the roll call. What's that called? The introduction, the beginning of the Olympics, opening ceremonies. Yeah, that would be the opening ceremonies. But um, that's all we that and. Um, Abraham's love interest. Yes, who was in and act- little sister, which that mm. was kind of not that was uncomfortable. Mm. A little creepy, because I didn't realize that they were brother and sister until like way into the film. Well, I got I picked it up at the very beginning, but then I kept going. This is a little. This I is thought a that little... maybe it was like he called his significant other sister because they were like sisters in the eyes of the Lord. Right, right. Yeah. So like, I was like. Mike Pence calling his wife mother. Yeah. You know, so hey, you know, people have different. Yeah. You know. Exactly. Okay, well, we're going to move on to uh, Nerd Alerts. I don't have any. I was interested in, there was a flag, and it looked like a German flag that had black and yellow. It had all those, the stripes on it. It had a white stripe, and then another black stripe. 
Yeah, that was like the flag that China was competing under. But then there was something to do with China that I didn't get into. My eyes glazed okay. over. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, that's 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 a huge rabbit hole to go down. So yeah. I didn't know if that was. I did look up German flags <sighs> from the time back there, and it wasn't. Sorry, so you want this came out in 1981. 1981, you were one. We were in Spybrücken. Okay, because I wonder, I was like, wh where was I? Hashtag army brat life. I don't know where I we was. Were, we were in the apartment where we had to, at the top, where the, the roof slanted down, and the only windows we had were in the roof, and we had to lift them up. And when it snowed real hard, we couldn't open up the windows. Mm -hmm. Nice. But we did okay. see a chimney sweep. It was so cool. A real chimney sweep. In 1981, Reagan was sworn in as the 40th president of the United States. Yes, and he was. Also, Iran released 52 Americans who were held 444 days. If this was an NBA team, I'd call it tampering. I, it's just like on the same day that he gets sworn in, I mean... I will say this. I was supposed to go on a girl's day trip that day. And Poppy called me and asked me to stay home with you and not go out. And everybody, all of the women were like, you're going to listen to your husband. And then they, then it was, this wasn't that day. It was like when they were trying to go in and rescue him. Oh. And so he said, just stay home today. And they were like, you're you're going to listen to your husband. And then when yeah. he found out, they were all like <clears throat> mad at their husbands for not caring enough to mm -hmm. ask them to also stay home. <laughs> yeah, because when that man tells you to do something, he doesn't have time to explain to you. You just have to do it. See? Um. So that happened in January, and then March, he was shot by John Hinckley, who was trying to impress Jodie Foster. What the fuck is history, man? Like, and we did that movie. I Taxi know. Taxi Driver. The first DeLorean rolled off the production line in Ireland. Oh, wow. There was an attempted coup in Spain that was foiled after it was denounced by King Juan Carlos. This is 1981. <laughs> what the hell? And there was still a king of Spain? Yeah. And, and he was able to, like, stop a coup. I, who even knows what was going on? Doing in, the Jan right thing. in January, the widow of China's former leader, Mao Zedong, was sentenced to death in the People's Republic of China. It was later commuted to life imprisonment. So Mao Zedong's widow sentenced to death. That was in January. In April, the first Coca-Cola bottling plant in China is open. There you go. Mm -hmm. What's the answer to every question? Money, Damn. money, money, money. And then we have the Yorkshire Ripper serial killer, Peter Sutcliffe, was found guilty and sentenced to life imprisonment on 13 counts of murder and seven attempted in England. Remember, we wa and we watched the something on some streaming thing about the Yorkshire Ripper over Christmas. Oh. Terrifying. Remember? <laughs> well, I don't remember a lot about Christmas, but I know that I had a great time. 
Okay, and then does anybody else have any nerd alerts? Because I have a, I have another sizable one. Not I, Christy. I have one. Okay, yes. but I, it's not to do with 1981. That's fine. It, yeah, my next one it's doesn't too- have anything to do with 1981. Okay, mine's to do with 1924 Olympics. Yeah. Oh, excellent. So I wanted to know, since there were no black athletes in the film. Mm-hmm. And it is Black History Month, actually. And I did pick this movie. <laughs> but there was an athlete named William DeHart Hubbard. He was a track and field athlete, and he was the first African-American to win an Olympic gold medal in an individual event. And he run, he ran, he ran, he won, and he ran, and he won uh, the running long jump. He won gold medal for that at the 1924 Paris Summer Olympics. And he also set a long jump world record in 1925 in June in Chicago of 25 feet, 10 and three fourths inches. And it stood as the Big Ten championship record until Jesse Owens broke it uh, with his current record of 26 feet, eight and one fourth inches. Wow, wow, that's Je- good. Jesse Owens still owns the Big Ten record. Mm-hmm. Wow. And this yeah. guy, William Hubbard, still has like uh he set a record at he went to the University of Michigan. He graduated from there. And he still holds second place in one of his his 1925 outdoor long jump record of 25 feet, 10 and a half inches stood as the Michigan Wolverines team record until 1980. And it still stands second. Oh, good. And he ended up, uh, he also equaled the world record for the 9.6 of 9.6 seconds for the 100 yard dash at Cincinnati, Ohio. Oh, I think in 1926. Um, and he graduated from University of Michigan. He worked as a supervisor of the Department of Colored Work for the Cincinnati Public Relations Commission. And then he ended up working. Um, he moved to Cleveland, Ohio, where he worked as a race relations advisor for the Federal Housing Authority. And he um, also was an avid bowler. And he served as the president of the National Bowling Association during the 1950s. He also founded the Cincinnati Tigers, a professional baseball team, which played in the Negro American League. And in 1957, he was elected into the National Track and Track Hall of Fame. Excellent. Excellent. That's cool. I I have the, before I get into my other one, I have the movies, the top five movies of 1981. Where Stripes was number five, number four was Arthur, number three was Superman two, number two was on Golden Pond, which makes me laugh because my grandma had like two VHSs and on Golden Pond was one of them. <laughs> I remember. Well, I know that was in Grammy. Yeah, it was. At her little, at her little apartment, she had on Golden Pond because I'd really? never heard of it, never seen it, and that's yeah. So I always think of her when I see on Golden Pond. Um, and the number one film was Raiders of the Lost Ark. Chariots of Fire was number seven. Um, oh, huh. film. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because people went to see it and went snooze fest. Yeah. 
The Oscars. So this is um, the nominations for Best Picture. Reds, Raiders of the Lost Ark, On Golden Pond, Atlantic City, and the winner that year was Chariots of Fire. So beat Raiders Ew. of the Lost Ark. Oscars so white. So speaking of which... Like teeny, I was I was just curious, and on the AP there happened to be a thing about um, figure skating and why there aren't very many black figure skaters, and because I remember when I was a kid or a teenager, Syria Bonelli of France, and just mm. the utter disrespect that skating gave her. She could do backflips and stuff, all these things that nobody else could do, but people didn't like her because you know people just don't. What is it? And she was she was extremely dark skinned, which she was I, a she was a dark yeah she was a dark skinned French woman and got just just on display the lack of respect that black women exactly. get. What is exactly. that missing missing noir? Is that what it is? You know the French thing of hating black women basically. So I was reading this article in the morning and came across this name Mabel Fairbanks. And I was like, oh, my gosh, who is this woman? I So I got information from Wikipedia, and then there happened to be a Mental Floss article by Kat Long that literally came out yesterday when I was Googling her. And I was like, oh, man, who wrote this? Because there's a lot of information. And I was like, when was it posted? Oh, my gosh, today. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Thank you from Gone with the Bushes. Yeah, so this is about Mabel Fairbanks. She was born on November 14th, 1915. She was a black and indigenous woman figure skater and coach. She began ice skating around 1925 after observing children in a central park in Central Park at the ice skating rink. She was like, what is that? That looks like so much fun. She saved up and bought her first skates and stuffed them with cotton because they were too big. Of course. And she said, quote, blacks didn't skate there, but it was a public space. So I just carried on. Like She was just like, all right, well, if it, I guess they'll tell me that I can't. Um, she was also inspired by Sonia Henning, who was a mm -hmm. Norwegian figure skater who won like a grip of gold medals. Mm -hmm. I think she won like three. And she made a movie, Sonia Henning did, a 1936 film called One in a Million. And Mabel Fairbanks saw that and she was just like, I love figure skating. That's mm -hmm. what I want to do. So then in the 30s, of course, she wasn't allowed access to a local rink because exactly. she was black. But she kept coming back and coming back and coming back until finally a manager admitted her. And so she would skate around the rink and she would eavesdrop onto what the white coaches were telling their students. And then she would practice Ooh, those moves. Mm -hmm. My kind of lady. Yeah. She was not allowed to compete in any of the national qualifying events for the Olympics or any kind of competition. So she sadly actually never got a chance to compete yeah. Yeah. because she was black. Yeah, so, you know, the Olympics where they're out there competing against the world's best. Exactly, exactly. Liars. So at one point she practiced on a six-foot by six-foot rink that was constructed inside her apartment by her uncle to practice her spins oh my God. and stuff. That's yeah. tiny. I know. Um, 
Um, she performed to black and interracial crowds at the Renaissance Ballroom, Brooklyn Academy of Music, and the famous Apollo Theater. She created the Flying Waltz Jump, the Camel Parade, and the Elevator Spin, which, I mean, come on. What's the Camel Parade? I know, right? Who who in ice skating doesn't have a camel toe? (laughs) I know, that's all I keep thinking about. A prominent black newspaper, the New York Age, called her, quote, a sepia Sonia Henning, which I thought was a, I like that quote, that she was yeah. a sepia Sonia Henning. It's problematic, but I, I. Yeah. Well, it's way less problematic yeah. than it could have been. Exactly. I mean, that, it's kind of a kindness problematic thing. She, um, so she, I forget who it was, man, I didn't write it down because it was one of her first students and she found a loophole in the U.S. figure skating thing where you, cause usually it was governed by the U.S. figure skating, you know, and, and the feeder program, but she told her student to just fill out the paperwork. Cause you could go in if you just fill out the paperwork and, uh, I think like you could go in somehow as like an independent or something. And so she was just like, just fill this out and, and submit it. And so then they showed up and then of course they were like, Oh no, you can't. What? And, and oh, yeah. she was like, yeah. excuse me. And she had the book out and was like, if you see here, it says blah, blah, blah. And that's exactly what we did. And then they were like, harumph, harumph, harumph. all right, fine. She went on to, coach. she's not going to be able to do anything anyway. You know, she went on to coach. Let me know if you've heard of these names. Scott Hamilton, Christy Yamaguchi, Rudy Galindo, and Debbie Thomas, just to name a few. Excellent. In 1997, she was the first African-American inducted into the U.S. Figure Skating Hall of Fame. And in 2001, she was inducted into the International Women's Sports Hall of Fame. And she, never, she never got a chance to compete. Exactly. Right. But 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 she used her brains and she used what she had and to be able and she, to get yeah, Debbie she, Thomas in there, Surya Bonali in there. Well, because she so she couldn't compete. So then she was doing these shows and then she came out to actually came out to California and she taught um, figure skating to a lot of celebrities, kids. And then she would also be on TV and, and doing like things similar to kind of, you know, like ice shows and putting them on mm-hmm. it. And she, and so she got a, a following and that's how she was able to coach and, and get up the, you know, work her way up with no help from us figure skating. But in 2020, because okay. you know, everybody was like, Oh, what race is a problem? We had no idea what us figure skating the same organization that banned Mabel from ever being able to compete established the Mabel Fairbanks Skatingly Yours Fund because she always signed everything Skatingly Yours. All of her Aww. autographs were Skatingly Yours. So the Mabel Fairbanks, Fairbanks Skatingly Yours Fund to help rising skaters of color pay for training and competitions. So we'll see U.S. figure skating. Now that I know this, I got my eye on you. Let's, mm-hmm. uh, I, it's a very expensive sport. Yes. Ice time, coaches, yeah. costumes. I, I mean, we went through the cast system back with, uh, with, uh, Debbie Nancy Thomas. Kerrigan and, um, Syria oh, Bonnelly. 
No, um, Sonia. So, um, oh, Tanya Harding. Tanya Harding. Um, it was cast system there because she was trailer park quotation marks. I think. Well, I think it was class because remember we were trying to figure out last week what the okay, differences okay. and the the differences yes. is that if you, um, like if you change your money situation and you are and you're treated different, that's the difference mm. between class and cast. Okay. Yeah, class definitely. Yeah, because she was. She had to make her own costume. She didn't, Vera Wang wasn't lining up to make her costume for her. And yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. I just looked at the camel. I couldn't find camel parade, mm -hmm. but the camel spin is when they stand on one, when they stand on one leg. And then they have their other leg back here and they spin around like this. Oh, okay. Oh. Okay. And Pretty everybody cool. does. I mean, that's like. Oh, that's in like every routine. It's probably a required element in every routine. Mm -hmm. You know that and somebody. I, I was looking at, I think it was because back in 1924, I think figure skating was part of the Summer Olympics. Because figure skating used to be part of the Summer Olympics. Huh. I'm That's pretty odd. sure I read that. These, and these colonizers make no sense. And you... Well, it was like the only thing that women could compete in. Um, or maybe it was that... Okay, no. Don't listen to me for facts. <laughs> She picked this film. I think. So 1924 was also the first Winter Olympics because they used to be held in the same year. Oh, and so yeah, the Winter they did. Olympics were the first, the first one was in 1924. Oh. oh. And figure skating was the only sport that women could compete in. Mm. Uh, yeah, that doesn't. It, it was me. actually like figures that they would have to skate that they don't have to do anymore. And that's why she had the six by six to practice the spins and the intricate the figure figures. Eight. Yeah, I remember yeah. back in the 80s when Katarina Witt was still competing, they had to do a figure eight and it had to be a perfect figure eight. And then it was a few years after that, they got rid of that. That's why it was called figure skating. Mm -hmm. yeah, and it's so. the oldest, um, figure skating is the oldest winter Olympic sport. Dating back to its first Olympics. Yeah, it used to be in the Summer Olympics. Dating back to its first Olympics and the 1908 and 1920 Summer Olympics. I knew I read that somewhere. Mm -hmm. I'm not that stupid. is crazy. It's on ice. But they didn't have Winter Olympics. Understood. But they're not doing yeah. it outside. Yeah, well, maybe they were then. That's true. That's true. Um, but I was looking up the first Winter Olympics. There was, because it was also in France. Um, and uh, there were not as many events, clearly. Oh, I'm sure. 16 events, but only five sports. You had the bobsleigh. Mm. Same as the bobsled, right? Yeah. Mm. Curling. Oh. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I know. Ice hockey. Okay. Skating, you had both figure skating and speed skating. Speed skating, yeah. Yeah. 
And then you had Nordic skiing, which is um, one of the events was called Military Patrol. Ah, yes, I could see. That sounds like the biathlon, you know, with the rifle and you're going yeah. across country. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it basically is, huh? Cross country skiing, Nordic combined, and the ski jump, which ski jumping is cool. Yeah, I watched that. I agree. I love the ski jump. Did you hear about the con- controversy? How the women, there were women that were disqualified because they said that their suits were too baggy, mm-hmm. and they and they had ha- and they had worn the same suits, and they're like, why is it all of a sudden the problem? Not nah, yeah. What's wrong with a baggy? Because it's like a squirrel. Yeah, because if if it's if it's baggy in certain places, it would be like the flying squirrels, you know, like that you'll get more lift and it can give you an advantage. Germany was banned from competing in the games, and instead hosted a series of games called the Deutsch Kampfspiel. <laughs> of course they did. We can do this better, and we can do this. Grunter and well, we are it was probably part of the Treaty of Versailles. And another thing, you cannot come to the Olympics. <laughs> and it's crazy because I'm looking at the medal count. And there's like barely any medal. Like it it was just not a big thing. I mean, yeah. it's still not as big as the Summer Olympics, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I always liked the Winter Olympics. They're so fun. I do. I like how just toasty they are. Okay, so we are too reheatable. Oh, yeah. Oh, also, okay, yes. Welcome to our podcast about the Olympics. <laughs> that concludes okay. the Olympics portion. So I had only men were allowed to be at Cambridge University. Mm-hmm. I have calling the French frogs because that's a derogatory term, although it doesn't sound as nasty as many other derogatory terms. It's still a derogatory term. Well, yeah, because they gotta the British gotta be British and put their noses down at everyone in their ivory castles, you know. And then the Duke of Windsor saying king above all, and then he said, uh, oh, wait a minute, not so much. And thank goodness. <laughs> um and I feel like it was a touch long. Any others? Um, yeah, I had running on the beach. Running on the beach must be a bitch because walking on the beach is, is a workout. Yeah. I have that as as my, yes, because the one time I tried running on the beach, I got such a bad blister on my big toe. (laughs) Yes, you did. It was nasty. Um, those ugly flap rim hats that everyone was wearing the straw ones yeah until the end where he punched through it that was great yeah Mm -hmm. but those were just ugly why did everyone have the same one Mm -hmm. um i'm still a little bit unsure of what was happening in this scene as i was with the rest of the movie but they just ran around a circle in the quad yeah yes it's a a thing that it's a it's in the Cambridge thing. You have to run around before it does 12. And actually, the guy, Harold, he didn't really do it in real life. The guy, Lindsay, he really did it in real life. I have more on that in my notes later. And it wasn't, again, done until I think some guy did it in 2007. So it's like still a thing. Oh. But this is, this is this lame, upper-crust British thing. Yeah. 
as I have more hot toddy. Ugh, the Brits. Um, running in a turtleneck sweater. <laughs> yes! I mean, he was just running in his like normal. He was just like, oh, I'm gonna wear my normal clothes to work. Yes. Out. Yes, I have like, that as a good as a good bad a bad good reheatable. Like I'm good, sure. Bad. Okay, I'm guess they didn't have as much technical gear as we do now. But like that looks like a nice sweater. Yes. But but like, I guess it's like when you have to go on a run, but you also have to be at Christmas dinner. Like you didn't know what to wear. <laughs> but I guess that's how rich these guys are, where they're just like, oh, this is just my ratty running sweater. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Like he looked like it looked like a sweater that you would be wearing to like sip a cocktail in the Alps. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, after you go skiing. Or yes. you would have it around your shoulders as you're watching a yeah. polo match. Yes, yes. Or you ride the uh, the cattle car up the mountain with all the skiers who are going to ski down the mountain. And then you have your cocktails up there. And then you take that same ski lift down with all the people. Oh, that sounds limbs. nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's how I did um, it. And then I just have wooden cars, stupid. <laughs> That was kind of cool. I kind of like the well. Wait until your car catches on fire. See if it gets cool. Well, there's that, isn't there? That's true. (laughs) My car gave me a splinter. Yeah. (laughs) Is that it? Uh, uh, Yeah, that's I guess it. That's all I wrote down. And then just the bore factor, (laughs) and that's it. Oh, that bore factor. Oh, been waiting for that all day. Oh, I have Britons complaining about bad weather. You're in Britain. What the hell? And then there was also on that weather front, the British guy who always got to be putting things down when they're talking about all oh, the Americans. And they're like, oh, the Americans are, they have their ideal climate. They're not going to be used to France. Acting like America doesn't have a place called New England with equally shitty weather. That they could be training yeah. in to prepare them for Paris if they want. This guy, get out of here. Or um, Chicago, for goodness sake. Chicago. We, we, have, we have plenty of places where people can prepare with shitty weather. Um, when Little says, Sunday's not a day for football. <laughs> We're recording this on a Saturday because tomorrow's the big game. So <laughs> <laughs> that's a bad reheatable. Hope you didn't put your money on little. <laughs> the, uh, I don't know what to call it. I guess I'll call it the Asian fetishization of the three little maids performance. Wow. Mm, I must have been asleep for that. It was just the Gilbert and Sullivan type thing. Um, the glorification of amateurism in sports. How amateur, to me, amateur just means that you don't have to pay them. Their training, I didn't really see an emphasis on uh, pliability and stretching. <laughs> they, they seem to be doing a lot of rugged movements and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, the French wasn't subtitled. Am I just supposed to, are you just assuming that yeah. I speak French? I've noticed that too. Um, This film took a lot of liberties with what really happened. 
and most oh. films do. You know, they take dramatic license and stuff, of course. But this, like, they had some big things that they changed around or, um, like, little... The, he didn't refuse to race on Sunday. Like, the, the movie... Yeah, they did that. And it was that, such a big thing in the movie. Well, yeah, but it didn't make sense to me in the movie because I'm like, he... He's getting on the boat and just now finding out that his heat right. is on Sunday. Like, no, that came out months ahead. He knew ahead of time that that race was going to be on Sunday. So he was just like, all right. And so he trained for the 400 instead. And yeah, the, um, you know, the man and the higher ups tried to persuade him to run anyway. And he was like, no, nah, I'm not running the 100 that it's on Sunday. I'm just going to do the 400. Um, Ooh, yeah. those are two very different races. Yeah, there, there's like, and there's Ooh. other stuff that I have coming up. Yeah, but he had the time. It was in the movie made it up like, oh, well, this guy that like was like the whole point of the movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, where are the Jamaicans? <laughs> nice. Jam Jamaica didn't get its independence from. Britain until 1962, so, uh, <laughs> what are we even doing here? If you've ever been to the pen relays, <laughs> you know when the Jamaicans are on, uh, uh, on the track, you know it because, yeah. I mean, come on, which brings me to my final bad reheatable, how this film is basically just nostalgia for white supremacy. It's uh, yeah, that is true. This, in 1922, smack dab in the middle of when this film takes place, starts in what 1919, goes to the 24 Olympics. So in 1922, the British Empire is at its largest. One fourth of the land of the world is under the Union Jack. One fifth of Damn. the world's population is under the Union Jack. The sun never set on the British Empire. When they had a female queen, Victoria. No, they had a king, didn't they? Because oh. he has to die, and then it goes to Edward, and he's oh, like, I yeah. don't want any of this. So it's oh, yeah. But, okay. Well, but, okay. She did expand the empire a lot. Oh yeah, but this is when it's at. I'm just saying, like it's expanded. It's at its largest. That's why. That's why all the British guys are so calling the French frogs and shit. They they are the big man on campus. Yeah, you, you can't tell them nothing. That's true. That's true. Okay, positive reheatable. Mm -hmm. I have fashion. Mm. I like mm -hmm. the white sweaters with the. I had one of those, a white sweater with the, the sweaters cable, are nice. and then the and then the colors just around the V neck. Mm -hmm. I like yeah. I like the tweed. Everything but the fat, the hats. I just didn't like their hats. Any of the hats. Yeah, and I like the um, the one female in this movie who you know her flowy dresses. Mm. The score as previously mm -hmm. said, but much underutilized score and the cinematography. Mm. I had the cinematography and costume design as well as a great reheatable. I mm -hmm. thought those were really good. Um, I had, I also had a writing on the beach as a positive. Oh. Can be nice. 
If it's flat, have you noticed like at Bethany, there's always there's always an incline so that one hip is is not equal to the other hip? Maybe that would be good for me says my legs are different lengths. Um I wrote that's a nice library. Don't know whose library it was, but it was nice, I guess. Probably Scotland. Cambridge. Probably. Oh, yes. Yes, Scotland seems beautiful. Scotland I've never does been seem to beautiful. Scotland. And I think it would be really cool, but you'd want to go in the summer because that's a <laughs> lot of cold weather. I did have the I thought they were doing a good job training. They did a lot of running drills. Mm-hmm. Yes, did, you would know. Very jerky. And yes. I just thought they were doing good good things. Well, the uh, the coach guy, he was really good. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. The American training, what they were doing, they just seemed like they weren't very oh, gentle. Yeah. That's how I felt when, when Adam went to VCU. And, I, you know, he thought that his coaching would be elevated from high school. Like how to get out of the blocks faster, you know, like the, the whole thing with where your head is and when, but he, he didn't ever get that in college. So, um, have it, I, I wrote having 20 dogs. Um, <laughs> okay. Which I think is a positive, <laughs> just a, just a positive note I wanted to write down. Uh, there was a scene where somebody was running and there was like 20 little dogs running with oh, them. Oh, I was just like, were you, was that just a random thought that just came in your mind? And you're like, just I, want 20. I want 20 of them. Yeah. And then I put the subtitles as a positive. I did notice after I wrote this down that they didn't do the French, but I, just whatever. Maybe it was just for um, HBO Max's subtitles. Mm-hmm. I felt like it did a very good job describing the ambiance and the background. Like there was one where they were like walking and they were walking through like wet grass or something. And then it just said sloshing. Mm. And then there was one that said wind whooshing, train horn blowing in the distance. So I thought that they did a good job with that. Mm -hmm. Shout out to HBO Max. Um, And gray sweatsuits. I love their gray sweatsuits, the warm up steps. They were great. And um, the saying, tip top. Tip top. Tip top. And those are my positives. Outstanding. Erin? I have, oh, I loved when Harold put the porter in his place. And he did it so English-like, you know? He just comes in and he and he's like, yeah, don't call me laddie. And, but he just does it in such a British way where I was just like, oh, damn. He got you, son. Um, <laughs> I got to come back to that because I think that's fantastic. Um, the Going back to, like, I have, they, they just wore all white. And when they ran, their shorts had button flies. It just seemed like that was... Um, Wardrobe malfunctions waiting to happen. Waiting to happen. Just, just I was just like, why? Um, 
the special cocktail when Harold is with his girlfriend and they go to that place and, yes. and they put down. And I love those glasses. They're v, the V-shaped glasses. Yeah. And it was this frothy red drink. I was just like, oh, that looks delicious. It looked very whiskey sour-ish to me. Mm-hmm. Um, with, the, with the maraschino cherry on top. This is a a good reheatable in just, I just, I like looking back and seeing the Olympics and just how drab and boring they were. Yeah. When it it was just the quote, colonized, uh, civilized places, you know? Yeah. I was just like, man, at least the Olympics are just so much more colorful and fanfare-y than now. Um. I liked how they had to make their own starting blocks with the shovel. At I can't first, go, what is that for? I, know, I thought that, they, that the American guy was going to murder him. I was just yeah. like, wait, there was a murder in the 1924 Olympics? Cause I it could, was like a putty night type thing. Yeah, because he opened, there's a scene where they open the suitcase in, their, in the locker room yeah. and you see it. And I was like, wait, is he shaving with that? I couldn't understand why that was of significance. And then later you see the American guy, he's walking and he has it in his hand. And I'm like, why does that guy have a metal instrument in his hand? Oh my God. Yeah. Harold, watch out. Because that the guy that had it was very Aryan racy, you know? I, I was like, let's go, no, no. But yeah, that was fascinating to me mm-hmm. because I did notice there were no starting blocks. And so. They just took off from no. They had to dig their own little trough so then, to put their feet in. So, so then when they did like the two hundred and the four hundred, did they have to go and make sure that those were padded down? That seems like agree. That, you know, and like if you do the four by one, was there a four by one then? Where you where like you yeah, had to go back and fix all that. I don't. Yeah, know. true. They, and then this made me, it's, it's such a good bad reheatable that I had to put it with my goods. And that is <clears throat> Little's running form. What with the arms? What was the deal <laughs> with the arms? He had this flailing arm. Exactly. His head was going, it was all the way back. So his chin is straight up into the air. His mouth is agape. And he's just flailing, running, and this guy is super fast. I was like, get him with Musabini. Yeah. And he would, there would be no doubt this man would be the fastest. Because when uh, you see it in the Olympics now, Usain Bolt and others, when they are in their, in, in their moment, uh, there, you see their face, like their cheeks just are like just fluid going and they weren't they they tried to catch it but they weren't able to totally catch it in the film because none of them were in that spot to be able to be that relaxed with their entire body that their face is just yeah he needs the (laughs) nike training app he needs coach bennett telling him shoulders back chin just just in front of your chest but every time he threw his head back that was him like communicating god, with god. he got god and, power yeah and god is is granting the white man the ability to beat everybody else 
all the other white men. So those were my good reheatables. Okay, so we are to quotables, and you did a few. Yeah, so I only have one that I wrote down in this section. I know what it is. Maybe not. When you're looking through the binoculars at the at the one female in the entire film, and they go, "Isn't she a peach?" Oh no, I didn't put. You didn't write that down. No, might be my fave. She's Um, a peach. Okay, others. I had zero. I didn't write any down. I said I. I don't know. I think it's uh, Musabini who says. I've seen better organized riots. Yes. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> that made me laugh. And I have the Prince of Wales saying, in my day, it was God, King first, God after. Maybe that wasn't the Prince of Wales. That might have been one of Sir Gilgood or what. Yeah, it was like, it was a man. <laughs> okay. So we were at LVPs. Hmm? I'm almost afraid to ask. Christine? Mine's the movie. <laughs> Well, you gave me mine, the bore factor. Yeah, I just thought it was boring. Like I agree. To be this well yeah. renowned, like I just, I, it was, I was boring. So much buildup for this movie. Yeah. How do you make the Olympics that boring? Exactly. Well, well you well, only have white people in it. Well, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's your answer. <laughs> I have honorable mention Harold's monologue when he's getting rubbed down by Musavini and he's like talking to the to Monty and he's talking to, it it was just weird. It goes on for a really long time it does. and he's basically saying how he's scared. But this man is and actually a good reheatable was that massage that he was getting. It so, looked pretty it, good. Except for the guy talking about and the way, like, just the way that it's written, it was so extra. Just, but my real LVP of this film. <laughs> Not- I'm so sorry. Mac is in the background. He's been hacking up all episodes. Yeah, well, he, it, it had. I mean, it kind of goes. Yeah. With this episode. I got something in my throat too. I'm, I feel him right there with him. So I'll just it up. <laughs> okay, MVPs. I had. Excuse, she didn't, wait, she didn't say it. Me. <clears throat> <clears throat> Shout out to Mac. The real MV, LVP is America. Because the only reason that this movie exists. Is because if America acted more like the country it says it is and less like the colonizers they had to get away from yet replicate their cast of, you mean to tell me that we don't have enough of, they, there was no American sprinters out there that would beat the British team that they put out there. You're going to mean to tell me that that Schultz and that other guy were the best that America could do. Nope. Jesse Owens' record still stands in the Big Ten to this day, and you're going to tell me in 1924 that you couldn't find any other Americans that could whip the British Empire's ass at sprinting? That's on you, America. And William Hubbard was there. He was at the Olympics. 
And Jesse Owens beat his record. I'm just saying, we went from Mabel Fairbanks couldn't even compete. There are so many people who weren't allowed to compete. Shame on you, America. We wouldn't even have Chariots of Fire. Yeah, why didn't he race in? Why didn't he race in that? I wonder. Racism. He was. He was too busy <laughs> jumping. I, I guess so. He's yeah, like, I'm hit. one black man. You can't. You you couldn't find <laughs> I anyone else. I can't do it all. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Are we the MVP now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I had my my runner up is the score. The underutilized score. I felt like we could have used that a little bit more. But remember good sportsmanship when you lost, but you still went and shook the hand of the person who won. We, we don't yeah, have yeah, sportsmanship as a kid, You had to do that with every, every baseball, every basketball game. You had to go high five and say, good yeah. job. Good job. Yeah. 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 Even though you didn't mean it. Yeah. Hey, I just share Hayfield Hawks boys basketball team undefeated. Thanks a large part to a little boy I had in second grade. That's all I'm saying. I had something to do with it. Okay, other MVPs. I like to say that I think snowboarding, from what I've been watching, has the best sportsmanship. Yes. All the snowboarders afterwards, they all get so excited when they're doing tricks. Like, like they like, they're... And then, like, the um, girls, I don't know. I don't remember which, the women, I'm sorry. I don't know which event it was. Like, so at the end, they all were, like, huddling and around each other. and Don't you love that? Happy. That's what it's supposed to be about. You guys, the, last night, they had the mixed, um, where it's the co-ed. It's a man and a woman, and they're doing the speed mm. snowboarding thing. And it was the woman who was like 36 and the man who was 40. And, you know, that's ancient in Olympics and stuff. And they were competing and the it was down to the woman and she was neck and neck with the Italian woman. And so the the guy and you, and you can see he has the gray all in his beard and stuff. And he's just cheering her on because he's just like, go, go. And then the Italian man that the Italian woman, you know, they're going back and forth. He's like hugging him because he's for, you know, he's like old, like he's the, this elder statesman in the sport. And he's he, like, I've obviously he wants to win but he also knows what it means to him and then the the old they the old people won the goal that i was don't you're crying i'm not crying you're crying and i was i was listening to a podcast i was only kind of seeing it and then just to see it like play out and realize like what was going on and just like when you young people you don't know but once you get to a certain age you root for anyone who is over 35 just automatically off the jump you're just like (laughs) You you completely just root for the old people. You're just like, they brought the gold. They won. And everyone was so happy for them. All of the snowboarders, wow. everyone. Yeah, well, unfortunately, we didn't get to watch the actual Olympics last night because we were busy watching this shit show of a movie. <laughs> My MVP is the theme song. My LVP actually should be that they didn't use the theme song enough. Exactly. But that's a theme song. Like, I would put that on during a marathon. Like, 
Mile 25. Yeah. You should put yeah. that on. Yeah. But then I think I would pretend like I'm running in slow motion and that might not be good. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> that It, it so, might not work to your advantage, but you might end on a really good note. Yeah. But you'll look great. You'll have that great form. Yeah. I have my honorable mention is I have two honorable mentions. One is Musabini. He was ahead of his time with his massaging yeah. and his plyometrics and how he yeah. was like, oh, you're overstriding. And he knew exactly yeah. what to do. Yeah. I was like, there you go. Uh, real sad. Mention a cast. He wasn't allowed in the stadium. I, I don't know if it was because yeah. he was a coach or if it was because he was half Italian and half Arab. It's I understood it to be that he was a coach, but yeah, I'm sure that racism had something yeah, to do yeah, with it. Yeah, take your pick. Um, and then I have honorable mention. This was my he was my favorite character. He was Lord Andrew Lindsay. He wasn't an actual person. <clears throat> he was the guy that was the like the super rich one who raced with Harold around the square. And he was the one that, that walked in, that just like barged into their meeting with Lydell in the scene. Yes. I was like, wait, I can solve this. Excuse me. Oh, hi, I David. This. I got yeah. this. He, so he was really based on this guy named, these two guys, David Burgley and Douglas Lowe. And David Burgley, he was... Um, he, he, he didn't, so he's the one that in real life actually won the race around in Cambridge. But according to what I read on Wikipedia, the David Putnam, the producer is a socialist and he didn't want to show him winning. And the Berkeley guy, he didn't want his name. He didn't want anything to do with this film. So that's why he's the character's name is Lord Andrew Lindsay. And mm. in real life, he did practice hurdles, but he practiced it with uh, matches on the end of the hurdles to see if he knocked them. Oh. I preferred the movie, though. I thought it was awesome how this guy was just he was just just that soup. If you're going to be rich, be rich like this guy. Where he's just, oh, I'm having caviar for breakfast. I, I guess I'll take off my robe now and practice my hurdles with sh full champagne glasses on the hurdles to see if I kick them over. Uh, what, what, and what, what. Um, so I loved that. But my MVP, like you all, it's the main theme. This... The best thing about the movie is the opening and closing credits of this yeah. film. Yeah. Yeah. You can it, just skip yeah. in between. It's those two. Um, so Vangelis, the composer, he said, quote, my father's a runner and this is an anthem to him. And originally it was filmed with another one of his uh, scores or, or songs called La Font. Yeah. And so the runners were running to that and Vangelis saw it and he basically did a hold my beer and came back. He's like, I can do better <laughs> and came back and presented the now iconic. Iconic. Do, 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 do. Like every like I knew it as a kid. Everybody just knows yeah. the song. But they never watched the movie. <laughs> yeah, and you don't need to, really. You don't Listen need to, to the silence. silence. 
<clears throat> watching in 2012 at the London Olympics when Mr. Bean does is on. Have you seen that? Like they're doing the symphony is playing chariots. This song is it called Chariots of Fire? Probably. Yeah. On, yeah. On Spotify, it's just theme. It's weird. Rowan Atkinson is playing Mr. Bean, and like that whole like that one note just is on the keyboard the whole time, and that's like the part they give him. It's pretty funny. I I recommend. But he performed it live. <laughs> Live with the uh, symphony at the London 2012 Olympics. Okay, well, we are to recasting, and I did one. Mm. Good for you. You're welcome. The whole time I was watching it, I kept going, Aubrey Montgomery, Aubrey Monty reminds <laughs> me of somebody. Yeah, he Is did. John... Krasinski. Really? He oh, totally okay. reminded me of John Krasinski. You know, the face that's just like. Oh, yeah, nice, I, I can see that. Total yeah. niceness. Yeah. Okay. So my Harold. Now, I, I did not look up what the religions of these actors are because it doesn't matter. An actor can take. And. I don't think, based on Ian Holm playing the half Italian, Thank half you. Arab guy, I don't think that anybody was real a stickler so on that. So my Harold is Andrew Garfield. Mm. And my Eric is Tom Holland. Oh, okay. Thank you. Thank you. I think it was quite, quite good. Quite good. All right. So you know me. You, you know I got to do something different. Fuck this movie recasting. I decided that instead of this movie, where's the movie about Tommy Smith and John Carlos, the two men who were behind the 1968 Olympic protest with the Black Power salute? I got to sit through two hours of that film, and we don't have a film about those two heroes. So I decided to cast that film. All right. Black History Month always. So <laughs> I did, which by the way, in that famous picture, if you look it up on Google, the guy in the red blazer, that is the guy that I mentioned before, who is the real life basis for Lord Lindsay that didn't want his name associated with it. And that oh. was actually the guy that won. Like, that's the real life guy. When my mind got blown. I was like, are you kidding me? He's because wow. I, I looked up his name and I see the picture. I'm like, what's this picture doing here? And it's like, no, that man in the red blazer is really that guy. That wow. blew my mind. And when they asked him about, like, what did you think? He was like, I just thought they hurt their hands. <laughs> Why do they have the gloves? He's like, I just thought they hurt their hands. So playing Tommy Smith, he was the one who won the gold medal in the 200-meter Olympics, and that was pretty much the end of his career because he was later banned by the United States Olympic Committee for raising a fist after he did right. all the work, right. motherfuckers. Right. I have him being played by John David Washington. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then John Carlos, who won the bronze medal in the 200, I have him being played by Jay Ellis. Oh, Jay Ellis? Mm-hmm. Okay. 
And then Peter Norman, who's the white guy that won the silver, I have him being played by Peter Godot, who played Adam on Yellow Jackets. You know, the guy that played Adam in the, the TV show Yellow Jackets. Yes. I was just like, oh, look, look, where's this movie? Instead of remaking this film, we need this movie made. Okay, well done. Well done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we didn't need to remake this movie. So we are to Tasty Titties. I got some. I have one. Go. So I was curious when they stopped using a gun for track and field. Oh. And while I couldn't get a really solid answer, the most of the articles seem to mention 2012. Uh. Um, and, you know, obviously the list of reasons is wide, but a lot of things where the fake guns technically are supposed to be orange, and so they were using guns that shot blanks. Um, right. It's it's hard to travel with guns if you're doing them at school at like a school or university. Some of them were right. allowing guns in the venue. So, well, this is important to notice that it's it's international because if you come to the United States, you can just point to anyone in the crowd. Oh, and they, they easily got bring a yeah. gun to the school. <laughs> and actually, this article is about London. So. Um, and so then they they started using both a sound and a pistol, like a sound that would go off behind the athletes. So the solution for a long time was to have speakers behind wherever the athletes started from, but the sprinters were ignoring that sound. They had trained to tune out everything but the bang of the gun so they don't mm -hmm. fall start. So even though the speakers were telling them the gun had gone off, they were then waiting for the real sound to reach them. Not that I guess they weren't using both. They were just waiting for that. So right. it was just tripping up a lots of lot of competitors. Um, and like and sprinting, a fraction of a second matters. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So I think the 2012, I guess this is why it was in 2012 was the first Olympics that featured a silent pistol that emits an electronic beep. because uh, the other thing that they were saying was like everything on where it is it takes longer for the sound to get to you so if you're in the middle of the track or if you're the inner mm. you would hear it before the outer lane exactly um, so that so, actually because the the fastest people in each heat are in uh lanes five and six so if the outside lanes are hearing it before they are then that's mm -hmm. they get a head start Definitely. Well, and then also, like, you're talking about the 100 where everybody's on a straight line, but when you're in the, like, the 200 or the exactly. 400 and the staggered start, the yeah, staggered the sound's going to go different. Yeah. Wow. My son was robbed, I tell you. Robbed. Yeah, that's probably why Adam isn't an Olympian. <laughs> um, I think so. So the official timing company of the Olympics is 2012 was Omega, Mm -hmm. So that this beep was played through speakers behind each lane rather than in two places to oh. ensure that everyone hears the starting gun at the same time. I like that. I, I like that. Um, and that's my only tasty titty. 
Well, I have uh, the fastest time for the 100 sprint Mm -hmm. is still held by Usain Bolt in 2009 at a 9.58. That has not been broken. Well, wait for it. In 1988, Flojo. Flojo? Flojo is still standing with a 10.49 for the women. Oh, yeah. You know, I heard that um, Tiffany Haddish is making a Flojo biopic. Oh, my Mm. God. Remember when we saw her at Nationals? Flojo? Yeah. We did? Because she died in 1988. Or no, wait. I mean, she. Wait, we saw. I saw Flojo. I thought that she was at one of the nationals. <laughs> we saw Gail Devers. She died in 1998. 1998. 98. So, you graduated from high school, so it wouldn't. Yeah, have been so we her. wouldn't have been. I so know we it, saw Gail Devers. Okay, maybe that's who it was. Oh, I'm disappointed then. Okay. And also 9.58. That's the record. Yeah. Because William Hubbard ran it a 9.6. So that's pretty fast still. And that was 1924. But I'm wondering if there's a difference between 100 meter and 100 yards. Oh, yes. Uh. There's a difference between 100 meters and 100 (laughs) yards. Oh, and he did yards. Wow, he's slow as shit. Yeah. So (laughs) he's not. I'm just kidding. Okay, all the Cambridge scenes were shot at. Well, what's the difference? Okay, what's the difference? I'm sorry. But it's like a few meters per, I don't know, like, I don't know. There is a a slight difference between a meter and a yard. So if you multiply that three times, it's going to be, because they're doing hundreds of seconds 100 yards is 91.44 meters so it's a little less than yeah so 100 yards is more than 100 meters right? yeah exactly but he was really fast and i don't know which one was used in the olympics in 2009 but also 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 they're both fast they're yeah. super fast because now and then also there's now they know like the headwind and they take that in. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can't somebody could run the fastest, but if they have a wind at their back, then it's not considered the fastest time. So and I'm just going to say I'm I'm going to put this out there. Mm-hmm. You know, with the with the Russian figure skater, all there's always people who are trying to beat the odds with the illegal substances because we saw it in high school sports there was this kid on a competing team in football who was scrawny 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 in a few months he came back the next year and he was buff so there's always going to be people who are beating the odds with illegal illegal drugs that have not yet been detected so yeah they do the technicalities it's kind of i mean 
if we bring it back to the movie, what well, it is a thing where the you know the men were like, oh, you're willing to win at any cost, and he because. In that terms, he was talking about a training and stuff, but then you can extrapolate it out into right. if you're willing to, to run at any cost, are you, you know, are you willing to take this supplement even though, well, technically, and it's funny how technicalities, because I mentioned Mabel Fairbank, you know, she was like, no, we did this and because now we can go in, but it's yin and yang. Every action equal and opposite reaction. So we can use the technicalities for good, but then the technicalities can also be used for nefarious purposes. Which is when you know? your gold medals are stripped, Marion. Hmm? What was your last name, Mary? Jones? I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Maurice Green. Uh, you can't. That's why I was glad Adam got out of it. Because it was like, you can't go into this without any of the supplements. And well, win anymore. also because you, you can't. can't, and you don't know what's in your food. <laughs> like we in America, how right. do you, how are you able food to additives and antihistamines and how they help, and yeah. you know heart medicine and how it helps. So yeah, it's just it's a minefield. All of the Cambridge scenes were shot at Eton College because Cambridge didn't want to be associated with anti-Semitism. But then when it, the movie came out and it was a big hit, then they were like, oh, we've made a horrible mistake. And it was like, maybe your horrible mistake was being anti-Semitic in the first place. Exactly. So other tasty titties. I have that Kenneth Branagh worked as an extra and a set gopher on this film. I have, it was nominated for seven Academy Awards. Best Director, Best Supporting Actor for Ian Holm, Best Film Editing, and it won four Academy Awards. It won Best Original Score, Best Original Screenplay, Best Costume Design, and Best Picture. Um, I go with all those except Best Picture. The title comes from Bring Me My Chariot of Fire from a William Blake poem that was adapted into the British hymn Jerusalem. Which they sing at the end of the movie. Mm -hmm. There's Harold was really big into Gilbert and Sullivan. Oh my God, too much Gilbert and Sullivan. Yeah, I was just like, what's Gilbert and Sullivan? So I watched a video on YouTube about Gilbert and Sullivan. They were big in the 1870s and the 1880s. They did funny, satirical uh, shows, like musicals. They were kind of like their days, Saturday Night Live and The Simpsons. Exactly, because that what she what the female the only female in it was singing was usually done by three male dudes mm. in the gilbert and sullivan asian situation they, it's just wild how even to this day how uh influential gilbert and sullivan is for things like it's in hamilton it's yeah gilbert, you know like a direct line and and there are a bunch of things that get dropped in that probably goes over my head that it's like oh that's gilbert and sullivan so even to this day oh this day um i noticed in the credits a name as a producer on this film Dodie fayed he was really yeah he produced this film princess diana's Dodie. he also produced hook and breaking glass he's famous because 
I know him because he died with Princess Diana in 1997 in their car crash. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the Prince of Wales, a.k.a. Edward VIII, a.k.a. David to his friends and family. His name was David, but when he became king, he had to have a... Yeah, well, okay. But he Edward. didn't... Yeah, well, no. he did become king, but then he asked. Oh, but then he was like, I'm out, peace out. Yeah. So, uh, AKA, he was a Nazi sympathizer. And yes, he, he was. Abdicated the As throne was she. in 1936 because he wanted to marry an American divorced woman, which is it's just hilarious because it's like, okay, but then, man, dodged a bullet. He, and, and then you don't learn from your history that let him marry who he wants to marry because we went through that with princess diana or maybe she did learn from the history and was like if if they had let him marry who she wanted to marry that's true true. okay so no he couldn't marry who he wanted to but then let charles marry who he actually wanted to okay it's a yes it's it's just one of those things exactly um, in real life, Little was the one that introduced Musabini to Harold. Huh. Interesting. Mm-hmm. The produce this film came about because the producer wanted to do a story like a man cross season about someone who shows their follow their conscience, and he just happened to discover Little's story by accident. It was just like in a compilation of. The Olympics, hmm. 1924. Yeah, could have left that with the compilation. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know. Mm-hmm. All the readings are from Aubrey Montague's letters are real. The only thing that was changed was that uh, in his real letters, he had Darling Mummy, and they changed it to Dear Mum. <laughs> Darling Mummy, name here. <laughs> I don't the see letters... anything wrong with Darling Mummy. Mm, I do, Darling Mummy. Um, the letters were provided by his son, who saw the screenwriter put an ad in London newspapers because he was just doing all this research and it's before the internet. And he was like, hey, if you know anything about the 1924 Olympics, the Olympic team, anything, let me know. And his son saw that and um, gave him the letters. He was like, oh, actually, here are the letters oh, that... Wow. My dad wrote, yep. Yeah, thanks for two hours of... I know. Um, Ian Charlson actually wrote the speech that Little gives to the working men in the rain. He was, he saw what the guy who won the Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay, he saw what he wrote, he was like, nah. Not so much. He had been um, studying the Bible, and he was like, I got this. Excuse me. <laughs> That's a total Aaron Bush moment. <laughs> um, we already have that. Okay. So, Teeny, when Teeny sent a screenshot of the film, and she was like, <laughs> I truly thought that it froze. Like, that froze weird when I paused it. Hang on to your butt, Teeny, because this is about to oh, yeah. blow your mind. So the United States film was altered from the original film. There's a brief scene in the original film where they're playing cricket, and that scene gets cut. And it was replaced with the scene 
with the disfigured World War II veterans, which was what you used to hear like, what oh. is this? It's sci-fi. It was the World War II veterans. World War One. I. I mean, World War One veterans, which we mentioned in our last movie that we did, Grand Hotel, how they were just all over Europe and stuff. The whole reason that that scene exists is because the United States didn't want to release it as a G-rated film because a G rating that signified to the public that it was a kiddie film that was for children. So they replaced oh. the cricket scene and purposely used a depiction of war veterans as obscenity to get a PG rating in oh America. My oh my God. God. Yeah. Manipulation much. Mm-hmm. Well, that's my LVP. Just a wow. And my final tasty titty is Roger Ebert gave this film four stars. Of course out of five or out of four? I don't know. I was just like, what did Ebert say? And I was like, oh, he loved it. Oh, Ebert, okay. seriously. Okay. Christine. Well, I thought Chris- it sucked. <laughs> <laughs> That was my thought last week when you said what it was, but I thought I'm going to give it a chance through, you know, a 70-year-old lens. And I, there were things that I did enjoy it a touch of, but yeah, it was two hours of, yeah, okay. Maybe I'll watch it again in another 35 years and see if- There you go, sweet stuff. You do that. Oh, you're going to see if uh, white supremacy ages well? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anything has changed? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Good luck with that. Lens. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So next week, Aaron. All right. Tis oh. not on me. Well, I thought that we should have a little fun next week. And yeah. this is a movie that the last time I saw was, man. Jamaican I- bobsled. I mean, come on! Do it! We, yep. we gotta do it. I haven't seen Thank this movie God. in forever. It's on Disney Plus. It's 1993. It's Cool Runnings, guys. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The movie I should have picked. But I'm so glad that you picked this. I got a. I got a lot of. Uh, I got a lot of uh, anger toward white supremacy yeah, out of exactly. my Exactly. It was you very cathartic a- for me. Yeah, you got a lot of that COVID anger that you didn't know where to place it yeah it wasn't cold it was white supremacy anger of just like this motherfucking bullshit these motherfuckers colonizers motherfuckers yeah (laughs) okay well okay excellent i mean that's part of black history too so a guy got it out it is and and we were able to go through all that okay well listeners this was Chariots of Fire. I like my alternate yeah. title, Colonizers of Fire. Colonizers <laughs> of Fire. Next week, Cool Runnings, which will be a totally different. Hopefully, who knows though? 1993. Uh, yeah. In my under. I mean, uncover. one of the stars is Dougie Doug, and I did just see him on the We Got to Talk About Cosby documentary. So I haven't watched that yet. So. Spoiler alert, Bill Cosby. Was he the world's funniest rapist? Does anybody really want that? No. Okay. 
Oh, wow. It, okay. It has been a week and uh, uh, there you go. Next week, cool runnings. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.